Okay, um, thanks for joining me today. Uh, as you know, we talk a lot in our industry about technology and how it's changing everything and everybody's talking about data and digital and, and of course, um, uh, fintech. But of course, uh, you know, we don't, we're not sitting on the sidelines here at ANZ, we're doing a lot. We've talked a little bit about some of the investments and partnerships we're building, but we're also just internally using a lot of these tools. And we've talked about data, but today I wanted to talk really about this whole area of AI, artificial intelligence, machine learning. And I've got two of my colleagues here. I've got Sharon, who's our colleague based in Asia, and Jason, who works here in our credit team in the Australia business. And these are two practitioners who've really embraced the potential of machine learning and AI and actually using it day to day. So I thought it would just be really interesting to hear a little bit about what they're doing with it. So I'm going to start with Jason. So Jason's our uh, Chief Risk Officer for the Australia uh, Division. Now, uh, Jason, you're not a technologist, you come from risk. When, when, you, when people talk to you about machine learning or artificial intelligence, what does it mean to, to you and what's your sort of definition of that? Yeah, thanks, Shane. So uh, AI is the ability of a machine to perform a, a cognitive function similar to the human mind. So what do we mean by that? Uh, examples are robotic cars, uh, instrument landing systems on a plane, facial recognition, virtual agents, uh, and a concept, so a subset of, of uh, artificial intelligence is what we call machine learning. Uh, so what is machine learning? Machine learning detects uh, patterns uh, in data, then makes uh, predictions and recommendations on how that data could and should be used. And a great example in, in ANZ uh, is something we've been using for 20 years. So machine learning has been in ANZ for 20 years in risk management in the construct of what we call application scoring. So we take uh, profiles of customers, we look how they perform over 18 to 24 months, we then determine who's a good payer and who's not such a great payer, then go back and look at the attributes and build statistical models around what are the attributes that help predict uh, that performance and, and, that, and that outcome. And that's a, that's a really good example of, of machine learning. Great. Now, of course, um, things have changed over that 20 years and the technology today is so much more sophisticated and faster, more capable, et cetera. So what are some of the more contemporary ways you're thinking about using uh, machine learning in the, in the risk team? What's changed? Some things haven't changed and some, some things have. So some of, the, uh, some of the techniques have been around for 20 or 30 years. You hear these, these terms such as neural networks, random forests, gradient boosting models. They aren't new. They've been around for a very long period of time. But because of the complexity of those models uh, and, the, and the position where they use in, a, in an ecosystem, we've never had the compute power to be able to run them, say, in the constructs of real-time decisioning. If I want to make a decision real-time, uh, the oldest, uh, the older uh, forms of uh, modelling we've used have been the best to deliver a very quick sub-second decision. Some of these, these uh, more complex systems, we've never had the compute power. Now we do, which is the which is the revolution in it, in itself. So where we're using it today is in the in the construct of something like uh, automated home loan approval. Uh, and again, that's really exciting for ANZ because it's especially exciting for me because I've got two you know, very important partners being in, in ARNC. We've got Emma Gray and, and, uh, and John Campbell looking to automate the home loan process, very document driven, uh, trying to condense that, trying to extract data that they then can send to our decision systems for, for me to make a, make a decision. So I'm a, somewhat a symbiote of that process. And then you've got really turning the documents into data. So how do I not get the documents? But still get the data to speed up that process and end up with the same veracity 
of information that I can I can make a decision. And for me, the re- really the, the exciting part is in, in today's world, using the old school techniques, we can make a decision after all those processes have been conducted within within four seconds. Under these new techniques and the new collection of data and working with our business partners, partners, we think we can increase that percentage uh, to a, a substantially higher rate. So, um, you know, at ANZ, we're all about wanting to make things better for customers, so better customer outcomes. So if I'm a customer, that'll sounds good for you. What's in it for me as a customer? What will I what, what will I get as a result of ANZ using these uh, sort of techniques? Uh, so, so as a customer, uh, the day after going through a, a process to collect documents, to, to check the veracity, then to make a decision. So you don't need to go away and get these documents. You don't need to do anything else. And you get a decision within within some four seconds. 52,000 extra customers. Really cool. That's really cool. Now, um, we've read a little bit about probably in this broader area around the dangers or potential risks around using some new technologies around whether it's, you know, data privacy or algorithms making bad decisions. If you, how do you think about that when you're designing or when you're trying to use these tools to make sure that we're doing it in a, in a, in a low risk and sort of friendly, you know, a good way for customers? What are some of those risks? There's really, really three categories of risk that are probably most documented and, and talked about uh, everywhere from the US Senate through to, you know, a really interesting paper that was done by the Australian Human Rights Commission, uh, CSIRO, uh, Data61, around the dangers of, of machine learning and AI, or the things to watch out for when it comes to machine learning. Uh, and those three areas are really, uh, number one is around uh, this concept of bias. And we've sort of, sort of heard some some pretty horrific examples of that in, in Apple and, and so forth, uh, where models can get things wrong uh, based on bias. So what is bias? It's sort of there's three levels of bias. You've got societal bias. So today, uh, probably not a good example, So, but, but take this sort of tongue-in-cheek you know, if if um, if our exec team was made up of 60% male and 40% female, and you build a model of that, you just replicate that bias that exists within the within the societal norm. So you've got to solve for that. You've got to solve for taking out you know what would be a historical societal bias. Uh, then you've got inaccurate information. So a really good example would be the young population in the credit market. So um, to try and, and build a model on a population you've never seen before is, is, is near, near impossible. Good example is if we didn't really bank a lot of 18 to 25-year-olds and we tried to apply the models we've got today to that population, you wouldn't get good outcomes because obviously the model has been built on greater than 25-year-olds. So again, you've got to somehow equate uh, or solve for that by getting additional information. And the third one's around configuration bias. So what that means is that uh, Jason and Geraldine, they both get approved, male and female, they both get approved by ANZ, yet 20% of the time Jason gets conditions put on them, 70% of the time Geraldine gets put conditions on them. So it becomes the, the use of that AI model a wee bit more downstream, creating a, a bias in how what would be a pass rate for both Jason, male and female, ends up somehow being, being biased. Uh, then you've got this concept of overfitting, uh, which is a really good example would be COVID. So if you had a very, very accurate model that was built on a pre-COVID population that, for example, was very dependent on international travel data on your credit card, all of a sudden, that, guess what? That model's not going to work very well in the world of COVID because there's no international travel data flowing through credit cards. So that creates uh, a very good model become, can become very unpredictive uh, very quickly. And if you're very dependent on it, it creates a lot of, a lot of problems. And the last one, probably as, as talked about and as important as bias, is explainability. So as you use these models, again, they become very complex in their construct, use a lot more data sources than we've got today. 
an individual, a customer has the right to understand how you made that decision. So yeah, it is a responsibility of people like risk management when they build these models to be able to explain them, not only to, to consumers, but also yeah. also to the boards. And I think in the future, Shane, the, the other you know, sort of inherent risk that we're sort of seeing, and there's actually a great paper done by actually one of our staff members in ANZ as part of her postgraduate law degree was on the implication of boards in the future on machine learning and AI. So as, as institutions become more dependent on machines making decisions, what are your obligations, say, under the Corporations Act for directors to actually understand how some of these things work? So it's, it's really far-reaching uh, and quite exciting in terms of uh, you know, where we're going with this. Yeah, no, those are great, great examples. So we're going to flip over and talk about our talk to Sharon, who looks after really the complex sort of operational side in our institutional business, which is a global uh, business, sort of big end of town focus in terms of customers doing, you know, literally millions and millions of transactions of really high high value. Now, in institutional Sharon, you led really a big move into this whole area of machine learning about three years ago. Uh, where where are we today versus then, and what's what's that journey been like, and what have you learned along the way? I think when I look back three years ago to where we are now, three years ago, all we had was the desire to do something in the space of machine learning. We did not have our internal capability, whether in technology or in the business. We did not have fintechs or external vendors who knew banking in the real sense of commercial and institutional bank and who had deployed these capabilities. And we really did not have a stack of use cases to know where actually to deploy. So all we knew was this is a promising capability that we got to be in the game and find our way and test and learn. So that's where we were three years ago, roughly. Now, uh, you know, it's, it's really pleasing because we now have several dozen team members who are in technology in the business who are very familiar with this capability. We have our own IP. We started dealing with vendors, but over time we did the right thing actually of, of shifting to our own internal capability. We have now deployed it across in real production terms uh, in many product areas within uh, institutional. And, uh, and it's really maturing. Our pipeline of what to do next is quite rich in the coming period. Uh, I also think uh, a good sign of improving maturity is the fact that some of our regulators have started to give us approvals for, you know, things that are traditionally been more difficult to get approval for in the context of uh, deploying new capabilities. So that's, you know, uh, started to come through our way. And I think the important thing is that this is strategically aligned to what we want to do for our customers and within the business under our data digital, you know, transformation agenda. So. When I think of all that, it it feels like in hindsight, it was a good thing to have, you know, put our leg in. Uh, we are in the game. Uh, we actually won some industry awards. Uh, and, and the marketplace also is starting to mature in the sense of technical capability, cloud, for example. So I think the combination is now, I feel like saying it's, thank God we started doing something and now it is in a, it's poised for really harvesting its maturity. Of course, when we're talking to Jason, we're talking about, and I think it, people can understand that using these techniques can make our decisioning and processes faster, but do they make them better? You know, there's absolutely no doubt, Shane, that they, whether they make them better or not. What has happened is, and we've all been banking for many years, what has happened is this is a combination of technologies and capabilities. The machine now 
the imaging, the transfer of paper to image, the quality and accuracy of imaging, the ability to read, the ability to interpret, and then the ability to process. This has come together for the first time, at least in my career that I'm seeing. And therefore, there is absolutely no doubt. We have seen cases where 50% of the manual effort before has got eliminated in the after picture. We have seen cases where our turnaround times have improved roughly 40 to 50%, depending on which case we talk about. So I think it's absolutely made things better. It comes with its challenges and caution and management of you know governance and things like that, as with any technology. But to your question, it is a very, very promising. And, and what we've seen so far makes us believe that it's bang on strategy and we've got to keep investing in this. So can you just talk to us a little bit about, um, we, again, we've talked about how you know it strengthens our processes and speak. Can you just put it a little bit more into the business outcomes or customer outcomes? So for my customer, I'm or one of your business partners who you're supporting, what's the benefit that they're seeing? You know, one benefit that I started to see, which I did not anticipate, is that we have started talking to customers about our experience in the last three years. And interestingly, not surprisingly, customers are in the same boat when it comes to corporate and institutional businesses. So they are giving us marks, shall I say, to say thank you for sharing what you've learned so far. And we acknowledge that you're you're keeping pace with what's happening. And we had a great customer in New Zealand who gave us in their league, in their rankings, you know, they bumped us up on innovation. We had a similar in Australia. Uh, so that's on the on the signaling side of innovation, which is very acknowledged by the customers. The other is their outcome and experience in the form of service that we're able to offer to them. So, you know, I've run out of counting of number of cases where you've got accolades for faster turnaround. And when the machine does these things, the scope for inaccuracy reduces. You know, the accuracy rates have gone up upwards of 90%. So in general, I think what we're telling customers is we are continuously evaluating better ways to do this. And we might try five things that will get three things right, but you will start, you will experience improvements one way or another. And that, you know, gives us a seat at the table amongst other things. Uh, from clearly, clearly, a lot of the change you're talking about impacts our own people yeah. in terms of their job, their job changes. And, and, and you know, uh, so what's, again, what your experience, how, how are people at ANZ sort of adapting? How are they feeling about this change? Are they, are they nervous? Are they excited? What, what would be your observations there? You know, I think the truth is that when we began, there was nervousness and there was worry because of the fear of the unknown and what does it mean? Uh, and, and I might say that that was the case even with among the leadership table who didn't know enough about what how this will pan out. So not a great surprise there. But over time, what has happened is actually our employees and our staff are giving us marks for saying, you are investing in better ways to do things and enriching the quality of work that I turn up for every day morning. Uh, so if you think about it very conceptually, there is the maker model and the checker model when it comes to execution. The making is by and large now done by the machine and the checking is done by humans, which is a good good enhancement. And there are some proof points. I'm not saying they're entirely attributable to just this one, but for example, our employee engagement scores in one very large center of ours went up from 78% to 88% in two years, despite fewer roles. So. I think it is more from concern, worry, fear of unknown to optimism, 
better skills and forward-looking innovative you know uh, training methods and, and what we've tried to do is to supplement new technologies with more learning and there are online tools and learning and creating digital minds etc which as a combination is is i think uh, hitting the mark in, in the way i think about it. yeah now it sounds like speaking to both of you we're we, we've done a lot of really good foundational work and it feels like we're at one of those inflection points where you can start to see this gathering gathering pace maybe I will go back to Jason and then before I hand back to Trim, what, what are some of the things you're excited about, Jason, or some of the things on the agenda for the future within the risk team? Yeah, uh, one of the things, Shane, it might be a bit of a surprise uh, for you, and, and I'm, I'm happy to tell you about it. We're actually about 40% of the way raising two patents uh, on machine learning and AI. Um, right. So that, that tells us we've got some great expertise in the bank. One of those patents is about uh, extra uh, extricating through a lot of data, very predictive attributes. And, and this is very important to us. It means our models be more predictive than uh, our competitors. Uh, and the other one, which I really love, the other patent is actually around uh, the concept of explainability. So we're actually thinking about how would we solve not only about having the best models, but having the most compliant models. And that, that tells us we've got some really good risk culture within our analytics uh, area. We're not just trying to mac maximise and optimise. We're also also trying to to comply. Uh, yeah. So I'm I'm really excited about that. Yeah, I think that point you made about explainability is a great uh, point. That you know that the, the there's just a shift of focus, and you know while this solves many problems, it creates some new ones that we need. To, and if we don't if we don't have equal focus on both sides of this, you know that's where you can trip over. So it's good to hear that we're really being forward thinking about about that. And Sharon, just the last comments from you, what's, what's exciting in terms of the future uh, or, or potential challenges you're, you're seeking to solve? Yeah, you know, as with all technologies, I'm excited that just technically the capabilities are constantly improving. So, you know, you can look forward to how the world is progressing on this topic just because of, you know, investments in technology. So there is the technical capability uplift, which is continuing. In our case, in the case of institutional business, it is truly aligned to what customers expect us to do. So it's exciting to continue to keep in this strategic path in the sense of, you know, not uh, not saying it's done, dusted, and then we move on to some new other toy. So this toy will continue for a long time in my view. Uh, and it's, it's very promising. And I think the last thing I'm excited because it is really good for our staff. You know, there's, there's so much value add from an individual point of view, because banking can be notoriously paper intensive, as you know, and take trade as an example, international trade. Uh, and we have cracked international trade to a great extent uh, way, way earlier than many other institutions. And that feels exciting because when you take a big problem to solve and you by and large solved it, then the others seem to be, you know, uh, we tend to be more optimistic. So when I think of all of that, you know, if, if there's a better customer outcome, if our employees have a better experience, if our financial outcome in the form of getting more for less is better, and if we're able to manage our risk better to the extent of the use cases that you actually deploy, then it's a great combination. So all we have to do is keep at it. Right, well, thank you. I'm glad we had the opportunity to talk because I think it's really exciting. And I really like the fact that both of you talked about the technology, but actually very quickly, it's about the culture of the firm, about embracing change, about thinking about the risks that come with these new uh, tools and how do we adapt to that. 
and ultimately always how do we think about the impact on our customers and our people. So thanks very much, really great. And, um, you know, it is an area of exciting. We're all learning new things and um, this is going to be a great area for the future. Thanks. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Blue Notes. This podcast was produced by the Blue Notes editorial team with music by Kevin McLeod. Blue Notes is a publication of ANZ Banking Group.